You're listening to The Dworkin Report, and I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Today, we have our producer, Grant Stern, at the Miami Book Fair, interviewing American patriot Malcolm Nance about his latest New York Times bestselling book, The Plot to Betray America. You may know Malcolm from MSNBC, where I've appeared with him on several different panels starting in late 2016. That summer, he was the first person to raise the red flag and say on national television, Russia is attacking the United States. And he even wrote a book about it that came out during the election called The Plot to Hack America. It was Malcolm Nance who brought my original Dworkin report on Trump's Russian ties onto MSNBC's news programming. Malcolm Nance said what Russia was doing loudly. He stayed on it. He was right. And everything that has happened since then has totally backed him up. Here is Grant Stern's interview with the distinguished retired intelligence officer and author, Malcolm Nance. We're here with Malcolm Nance. He is the author of The Plot to Betray America, How Team Trump Embraced Our Enemies, Compromised Our Security, and How We Can Fix It. And we're here at the Miami Book Fair in downtown Miami's Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College. You can find out more at MiamiBookFair.com. It happens every year. Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me on the show tonight. It is a pleasure to be here. So, Malcolm, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what inspired you to write your new title, The Plot to Betray America? Well, anyone who knows anything that I've done in terms of the media world, you'll know that I've had three books in the last three years about the Trump-Russia scandal, including the first book written about the Trump-Russia scandal, which was The Plot to Hack America. Um, and that book stemmed from my alarm uh, of identifying the Russian intelligence operation that the United States was being attacked. And in fact, I'm the first person in U.S. media to actually go on air and say the United States was being attacked. And as if to validate that, the next day, Donald Trump comes out and says, Russia, if you're listening, please, you know, hack Hillary Clinton's emails. And then they did. And they we did. Found they, out later they tried the to do report. that. They tried to do it. They've yeah, never they actually got her emails. Right directly from Hillary Clinton. They got them from other sources, which you can do when you can't get into a secure server, right? So in five weeks, I knocked out Plot to Hack America, which was an intelligence assessment of what had to be in place for Russia to carry this out, who had to be involved, and then what would eventually come. Uh, That book was delivered September 23rd, the same day that the CIA was delivering an identical report to President Barack Obama. And people ask me, they go, wow, that's really fast. How'd you do that? And I go, well, first off, I'm not a journalist. I'm a a U.S. intelligence officer. Uh, My job is... Retired. Retired, yes. Uh, And my job was to see things in patterns that are generally not privy to the average person in, 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 in America. I mean, you know, we... We see intelligence operations. We see behaviors. We see collections operations. And to people who have our experience, we can sniff out a real major operation, and that's what I did in that book. Um, fast forward a year later, I would write The, the Plot to Destroy Democracy. Uh, and that book was a strategic study of how Vladimir Putin was not just attacking the United States, but was attacking virtually every major democracy in the Western world with the intent to install not communist governments, which, you know, people think, oh, Vladimir Putin is an old communist KGB guy, which he is. But this is a KGB guy who becomes a super rich James Bond evil villain in real life. 
And he realized... But, but he was using but yeah. the, the Soviet Union's techniques, wasn't he? Was he was using the Soviet Union model and techniques for disinformation warfare. And disinformation propaganda couldn't move very fast in the old days because you'd have to use a typewriter and you would actually have to use a printing press. And there was a lot more gatekeepers. Yeah. Well, the media was a lot more legitimate back then because, you know, you couldn't get into UPI or the AP's information stream unless your story was checked by journalists. And the Russians would, like, go to India and buy, like, 10 you know, media organizations and put fake journalists in there and get all of them to corroborate the same story as right. if it was legit and then try to get that into the Western news media stream. And it generally didn't work. Um, but some of them did work, like the rumor that still exists today that the AIDS virus was developed by the CIA in order to kill blacks and gays. That was, we actually know the Russian intelligence officer who created that that piece of disinformation that still exists today. But as technology shot forward, so did Russian capability. And so Plot to Destroy Democracy was really about how Putin is re-engineering uh, the Western world by using democracy to vote out democracies, by funding right-wing extremists, in some cases fascist governments, like the government of Austria, that was formed in 1952, the party was formed in 1952, by two ex-Nazi SS officers, and oh, yeah. is now running Austria, and, you know, and other... But their government like fell after Russian involvement was revealed. Exposed, right. Well, it fell because they videotapes, probably by Austrian intelligence, found them in, you know, literally in Ibiza, Spain, meeting with the Russians, planning on how to take illegal money from Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party, of which they had a contractual relationship with Russia the day after they, they had won, and also were sort of a gateway to Donald Trump for the, you know, for the Austrians. And, and Italy had a similar situation happen with their far-right wing right. party and as well. Right, and you see the far-right of Italy, you know, uh, you know um, the, uh, the Italian... Uh, Nor Northern League uh, and their, their, their sort of affiliated group of anti-government and supposedly independent libertarians who all come together. And the first thing they're doing is meeting with Steve Bannon, you know, Donald, you know, Donald Trump's Russia-like philosopher who was, who's enthralled with, with Putin's philosophy of breaking down NATO and getting rid of Europe. So all, Russia has been seeding all of these right-wing political parties throughout Europe with the intent to break liberal democracy. Putin himself recently just said that liberalism in, is dead. It's a, it's a um, I think his exact words were, is that it is a defunct ideology and that it should be replaced with populism, which is another way of saying autocracy, you know, that's pushed by these ignorant masses. So that book, Plot to Destroy Democracy, did very well. It was also a Times bestseller. Uh, it debuted in the middle of summer at number six in the summer reading season. And I read it because every once in a while a writer should read his books. And it terrified me. I mean, I literally scared myself reading that book. Going, wow, it's one thing to write all this stuff. But when you read it comprehensively and you see it's just very... Everything we see is just so easy to see that Russia doesn't care that we know it's happening. In because, hindsight, it, it all seems so clear. Well, but. because they know democracy is slow. 
and democracy cannot move faster than autocrats and dictators who are voting, getting their people to vote it out of existence. And so that book sort of ended with the American, what I call American fifth columnists, which is the evangelical right, which are very closely tied to Moscow now. Uh, and they started actually co-opting them in 2010 by holding these conferences in Moscow, these you know protection of Christianity conferences. The alt-right, which was Steve Bannon's baby, that's how he became a millionaire. He weaponized gamers into being these radical teenage conservatives who hated women. Uh, and then the NRA, of which we know quite a bit about because the spy who was in the NRA was actually arrested by the FBI, served 18 months in prison, and only recently has been left the United States. But her job was to infiltrate her way to the top and make contact with Trump's family, and she did. And ironically, she's a hero in Russia. For what? I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, they kind of don't want to say what she did, but she's a hero. Something. <laughs> right? And that's, I mean, that's almost spy talk for it. You know what we were doing. Right. Right? So I was out there doing something. And so she, you know, did her job very well. The NRA was co-opted, supported Donald Trump to the hilt. We don't know if the, you know, $25 million that came from the NRA could have been part of a pool of money. There's, there's hints to it, but there's a lot of investigation left to be done. So that led me with only one last plot to write, or so I think, um, you know, because this impeachment is creating an entirely new chapter. Um, that was to focus on Team Trump. And that's why I subtitled it, How Team Trump Embraced Our Enemies and Compromised National Security and How We Can Fix It. Um, and it's interesting because the book came out just as the impeachment started. And what is in the book is every dirty trick related to national security from Team Trump and literally how this cast of characters, when you read it, I mean, I have to have a personalities glossary in the back, an appendix, because it's almost impossible to keep up with all the Russians in this story, all the mobsters in this story, Team Trump's own people. But, you know, I go to chapter four in there, and that chapter is all Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. The two people who have both gone to prison with Roger Stone, of course, just being convicted of eight counts of lying to Congress. And witness tampering. And witness tampering. And obstruction never, of justice. You can never forget those. He's very well-rounded. Yeah, you know, he goes all, you know when, he, when he goes in, he's gold medal on all of them. Find out more about Meet the Candidates 2020, my new book series of voter guides, authored by Dworkin Report producer Grant Stern. It's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major Democratic candidate in one place. Buy the book now at the link inside this episode's notes at grantstern.com or your local Barnes & Noble. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. So I went and did deep dives on these characters because it was very clear to me, uh, based on all of my other writings, that... The, the people I called in my first book that I had written in, you know, really fast in August of 2016, I called them the Kremlin crew, you know, with two Ks, right? Kremlin crew. And it was very clear these people had a loyalty to something that was beyond our flag and our Constitution. And the question was, what was it that they have their loyalty to? And what could influence people like Jeff Sessions to meet secretly with Russians and then, you know, lie about it or deceive the FBI about it. 
something beyond your, your, your loyalty to the United States. Now, people like you and I, you could start putting gold bricks on this table and they were like, okay, will you betray us for a billion dollars? Will you betray your country for $2 billion? And we're like, no, no, no. I'm going to get $10 million for the book that told me that I didn't betray my nation, right? And how you tried to get me. So these guys obviously are not writing that book, okay? They went along with Donald Trump's scheme, and it all seems to focus on Russian money coming into real estate and then Trump Tower 2.0. Uh, that's the second time he tried to get a Trump Tower, which... In Moscow. In Moscow, that most people don't realize. He tried it in 1987, 1988. He went to Russia in the Soviet Union and tried to build a Trump Tower in Moscow there, but realized they didn't have any money and they weren't his kind of person and they weren't going to ideologically turn him. So it didn't go anywhere, but within 10 years, he would be eating out of the Russians' hands. Well... Isn't that the big reason why the hunt for Trump's tax returns is so all-consuming for Congress right now? Sure. I mean, Trump's tax returns, he has to explain where he got his money from and what he spent his money on. And, you know, also talking to Deutsche Bank, right? Who financed Trump's loans? Because it wasn't like the Germans in their USA subsidiary just said, yeah, just give that guy a billion dollars and uh, we don't need any paperwork. None whatsoever. And we don't need anyone to back him at a time that no bank in America or the West would ever loan money to Donald Trump. And, so there had know, to have been some relationship that was beyond, you know, you know, girls at bikini parties. And, and one thing that's always piqued my interest is how he borrowed money from the commercial division of Deutsche Bank, didn't pay it back. And then the private bank would continued pay, to fund to his fund projects. Them. Right. Well, that, that tells you, you know, in, in our world, in the intelligence world, we have these things called black holes. Because like the astrophysics world, uh, you don't see the answer, but gravity is pulling everything towards a black center where you see nothing. And that nothing is the answer. But if it's like, hey, let's loan Donald Trump a billion dollars and not pay it back, you know, or why would we loan him money and he never pays it back? Well, all of those lines that are being pulled to the black hole... The answer you could surmise is someone's backing this loan and they will pay it off. We'll get because banks don't loan money unless they make money, right? right? right Win, right. lose, or draw, they're going to make money. They're the, well, the house money. is supposed to always win. They're the casino, a casino or right? a bank. That's and, right. And by the way, a casino is just a, a bank with an entertainment facility. For your <laughs> That's right. Typical gangster. Yeah, the little old lady that wins fifteen hundred dollars from Pasadena. You know, there's there's. 20 people, they're taking $10,000 from. Sure. But you know, I mean, in this draw. example... She's a marketing tool. In this example, you have somebody who owned casinos that lost money. And bankrupted which is them. Right? incredibly improbable. Yeah, a casino is an ATM for money that never stops. And Donald Trump bankrupted those because it just showed that he had no acumen as a businessman whatsoever. Even his father, who was a brilliant businessman, a brilliant real estate mogul, he only made one investment in his entire life that lost money, and that was $50 million that he had loaned to Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump for, I believe it was Trump Airlines, which collapsed immediately. I mean, it was just mind-boggling. And this was a guy whose ego said, put my name on things and people will buy it. And, of course, nobody buy it. And I mean, you know. So how can we fix it? That's the end of the long, long, lengthy subtitle. How can we fix it? Well, there are some simple things, but, you know, the fundamental way of fixing anything that's happening now is very simple, and it's sunlight. And that sounds like, oh, Malcolm, but we're out there putting stuff out. 
No, it's how you put information out. The Russians and guys like Trump, they use a very pro well-proven KGB technique, right? Or I'm sure it's, it's more popular elsewhere, but the KGB used it everywhere. It's called meta-narrative framing. And they would change your actual perception of how you perceive what's happening. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Doctor Who constantly called it a perception filter, right? Where you think you're seeing a lovely English garden, and when you turn the perception filter off, you're in a barren alien wasteland, right? Where, you, you know, a giant monster is coming to, to eat you instead of that dog that's running down the street. And the Russians have mastered using modern technology to, to change how you see the world by shaping your worldview in, with information. And, you know, the funniest part about it is, is that there's an entire segment of U.S. media that doesn't believe that, that doesn't believe in any of the Trump-Russia scandal or the Ukraine scandal. I just had an interview with New Yorker magazine, and the, 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 and, you know, the guy who did the interview was... He's challenging questions, but if you read the interview, my, my answers are all rock solid, and they're all backed up by everything ever written by the U.S. government, right? The Mueller report, you might have heard of that, and the CIA report, the Defense National Intelligence Estimate, the Senate Intelligence Report, the House Intelligence Report, and every investigation that the United States was attacked by Russia in 2016 in an information warfare attack and that Donald Trump tried to extort the Ukraine. And when you read this interview, the guy's like, well, you say Trump's perception about Russia was changed and that they manage his perception through information. Proof that. And it's like, have you never heard Donald Trump speak? I mean, he for, for years now, definitely three years as president of the United States, he has never said anything that was negative to Russia or would harm Russia or even not be complimentary to Russia's interests, but which were absolutely damning and detrimental to America's interests. Helsinki is just one example. I, have, I do a whole chapter on where, you know, you read it and his, his ability to damage nas American national security and NATO's national security comes in two flavors. One where he's helping Russia through whatever was said to him. Because, you know, when you come off, when Donald Trump, who doesn't even know where Crimea is on the map, comes out and says, well, well, Crimea, well, you know, they all speak Russian anyway, and that was part of Russia. And it's like, did they mail you the talking points by email, or did they come into your office and say, Donald, now you must say Crimeas all speak Russian? Because you didn't get that from the United States intelligence community, who is telling you that this well, is a NATO know. ally. We know from this week's hearings that Donald Trump does not go off of the notes or off of any of the reports that he's getting from the interagency process no. at the National Security he, Council. If someone tells him, or he had, and this is what I say, his perception uh, is a set of rose-colored glasses that I believe were put on his face at the Miss Universe pageant in 2014 when he had that secret two-hour meeting with the 12 richest oligarchs of Russia, including Putin's personal representative, and he came out of that meeting saying, Trump Tower, Moscow is a go, and from that minute onward, everything about Vladimir Putin was positive. Everything. Look at all of his tweets in 2014. They're scary. I mean, this is a guy who was like, 
oh, Putin is a great leader after the day after they invade Crimea and the world is condemning it. And here he is insulting Barack Obama. It's like, dude, do you, you know, are you going to Steven Seagal this thing? Are you going to be like Gerard Depardieu? Are they going to be issuing you a Russia passport? Well, I mean, he gave that interview uh, at the Miss Universe project to uh, MSNBC. And the first time I saw that interview, which was well after they played it one time, uh, they played it once and it never really made another appearance. But that was the most pro-Russia interview I've ever seen from an American up until, you know. You come out of a meeting with 12 multi, 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 multi multi-billionaires, including a guy who's representing Putin, and they estimate Putin may have between 100 and 200 billion illicit dollars. What is Donald Trump's single motivating ideology that we've seen throughout his entire life? Other people's money. And this is a guy who really doesn't have money, all right, relative to the people that are in that room. And those people are all there treating you like you are the golden boy. And they go, Donald, you know Crimea's this. Donald, you know Obama's that. Donald, you know, stick with us. Donald. I mean, they didn't have to work hard on the They Obama didn't have to part. work hard, no. But the point is, don't come and tell me, like, like this, this, this uh, interviewer was like, well, what's your evidence for that? The evidence is everything that we have all seen with clearly what a lot of people like to think are, are lying eyes, right? And so I, there's an entire class of people in this country including some really people who call themselves journalists, um, who believe that the entire Trump-Russia scandal and Trump's influence from Russia, which was never investigated in the Mueller report, all of this is a lie and fake. And this isn't the right-wing media. These are mainstream media people who will come up and, well, I actually had a journalist on a, a program that I go on regularly come up and say that I was a, a fantasist and a conspiracy theorist because of plot to destroy democracy. And it goes, you know, there's 700 references in that book. I mean, I only reference what they said and what they did. And you're essentially telling us that the entire Trump-Russia scandal is a lie, a fantasy, and a conspiracy theorist. And this is a, you know, a a right-wing, not right-wing, but a a conservative journalist who supposedly is a never-Trumper. And it's like, okay... That's weird. And these people help shape Russia's narrative. And in technically, they're useful idiots, is what the Russians would have called it. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Well, you know, you, you call it the, the plat, uh, plot to hack democracy. And hacking... Or destroy democracy. Or, well, okay, I'm sorry. The plot to hack America. The plot to hack America. Mm-hmm. And one of the most common computer hacking techniques is to overwhelm a computer DDoS? with too much information. Yeah. I mean, that is actually really the basis of all hacking. They overwhelm either the memory of the computer, they... They overwhelm the network to prevent it from communicating. Right. And and isn't that very analogous to what's happening in the disinformation space? That it they is. overwhelm people with so much information? It is. And in the last chapter of that book, I had, I had surmised, I said, what's really hacked here wasn't the Democratic National Committee or the, you know, the Podesta emails. They hacked the mindset of the American public. 
And I had a, a really interesting tiff uh, with a journalist, uh, he calls himself, who's very well known in the United States. And he came at me after, a, after he had seen a Fox News segment with Tucker Carlson where I said something that is commonplace. I said the Russians use information warfare te- techniques to craft a perception. And you, when, if you adopt that, you will only see it through that lens. And he goes, where do you get that? How do you know that? What, what, what source do you use? And I'm like, dude, 350 pages. You might want to read a page of it. Everything is referenced in there. He's like, no, I don't believe it. Where did you get that? I go, the NATO handbook on Russian disinformation operations. And it's like, this stuff is not something because you're a journalist or you call yourself a journalist and you just found it. Or you are beholden to the, to the theme that it's all a fantasy and that it's all conspiracy theory. For whatever your agenda is, whether you were pro-Moscow, like this person lived in Moscow in the 1990s and had some wild adventures running an independent newspaper there and he, he loves Russia. Who shall remain nameless? Yeah, I don't care. But all I'm saying is this. Don't come out here three years later after... Tens of thousands of pages have been written about it. The entire Mueller report, section one, essentially, as, as, as somebody on, I think it was Zerlina Maxwell on MSNBC came out, and she goes, that should be called the Malcolm Report. That is plot to hack America writ large. Everything he said in July 2016 has now been validated in there. Don't come out and tell us that America's crazy and that everything we see with our lying eyes, that's like equal to 9-11 truther. Stuff like, oh, well, how did those buildings fall? It's like an airplane hit it. No, but that couldn't cause Building 7 to fall. And it's like saying Trump, Russia's not real, you are the conspiracy theorist. Saying climate change isn't real, you are the conspiracy theorist. Saying the Ukraine impeachment is a fantasy that was drummed up by Hillary Clinton and that the pro-NATO, pro-United States government of Ukraine actually hacked the Democratic National Committee and innocent Russia did nothing about that and you're just blaming these awesome guys. That's a conspiracy theory, right? And then you have this entire section of the media who are fringe, who are beholden to calling Robert Mueller. You know, everything you write, everything that any person who has written an empirically checkable, quantifiable, repeatable experiment, and they go, no, no, that H2O stuff you keep talking about, that's conspiracy theory. Water is just something that exists. And it's like science, well, I don't have to do science, but in my world of intelligence, we show our work. And my books repeatedly show their work. And there's... There's got to be a reason I've got three times bestsellers on this. And, you know, in a week that Donald Trump Jr. spends $100,000 to pump his book to number one. Oh, a lot more than $100,000. Yeah, yeah, 100,000 books. Yeah, Yeah. and then Kimberly Guilfoyle and and Nikki Haley. And it's like, uh, my books sell because people who read them know they're going to learn something. And what they're going to learn will be grounded in what we say in the intelligence community, ground truth. And Ground Truth usually has five or ten references. And my book has 700 references. But I want to tell you another thing. One more thing. As an African-American, it's very, you know, it's, you get treated differently. Uh, Naveed Jamali came up with this, the, the FBI counterintelligence guy who was a double agent. And he goes, we get treated very differently. 
uh, for three years, we can hammer this whole thing. And then the second book on Trump Russia came out 13 months after Plot to Hack America. Right. The third book came out 23 months after Plot to Hack America, written by journalists. And those books are all feted and, you know, and whereas, you know, intelligence people are people who are way ahead of the curve. And I'll tell you, all three of my books were surfing the wave because they were essentially generating the wave. Um, Plot to Betray uh, America came out the second week of the impeachment. No, the first week of the impeachment. And it's about everything that leads right up to the impeachment. And, you know, and then I go, whoa, Donald Trump Jr. has a book. You know? So the people who really want to learn will actually learn something. Uh, and there's no conspiracy theory involved. But again, the first thing, that, first thing that happened, first day that book came out, I was attacked by Mediaite. And they, right. they literally manufactured a quote. And the videotape showed that the only thing that they got right was the words, quote, since 1977, unquote. And it's like... What's going on out there? There are people who are invested in not making this work against Donald Trump. And some of them are libertarian, alt-left, alt, you know, alt, they're so alt-left they come around to the alt-right. And they, they, they will say anything you say. The sun came up this morning and it's yellow. That's a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> but the conspiracy theorist are these people who don't believe what every person in the world is seeing with their own eyes. Well, Malcolm, the, the plot to betray America, how Team Trump embraced our enemies, compromised our security, and how we can fix it is on bookshelves now. It is. And can you give out for our listeners your Twitter handle and your website if they want to take this conversation onto the internet sure. after right. the show? My Twitter handle is at Malcolm Nance. That's M-A-L-C-O-L-M-N-A-N-C-E. And soon you'll have a MalcolmNance.org website, which will be up, which will have all of my media and people are, I get inundated by the hundreds. I just did um, the Commonwealth Club in uh, San Francisco. And one of the questions we had, they sold out all the books was, you know, how will we get to personalize your books? And I found that there, people really like having their books personalized. So we'll have an ability for you to either mail us your book and have it signed uh, for donation to a veterans charity. Oh, or cool. we'll sell you a book that will donate to a veterans charity, you know, and then it will, um, it will go out. Well, Malcolm Nance, thank you so much for joining me on the program tonight. It's my pleasure. I'd like to thank Malcolm Nance for doing the show. Thanks again to Grant Stern for doing the interview. You can follow him on Twitter at Grant Stern. You can check out our website for our book series on presidential candidates at meetthecandidates2020.com. You can go to our website to listen to more episodes and possibly donate to the podcast as well at dworkinreport.com Thanks again for listening Onward! <laughs>